if you don't know me, my name is Steel Cross White. Yes, it is true that the original version of this talk, Brian, had 26,500 words. I narrowed it down to 9,000. It's not going to be that long, trust me. Uh, here, just as a reminder real quick, last year we took a survey from you guys um, asking you what you wanted us to talk about here at Men's Night, what topics you wanted to cover. And with the results of that survey, we've been teaching on what you guys wanted us to teach on for the last several months. And tonight, I've been asked to teach on leading your families. And before I jump into it, I just want to give you a side note that I know that not all of you in this room are physically fathers. That being said, the chances are either you will be a father someday, or if you're not a father yet, you're a spiritual father to someone in your life right now. So when I talk about some of these things, please don't check out during the talk because the principles will still apply. And also, much of this talk not only applies to us leading our families, but I want to hopefully show you why your role your God-given masculinity, your God-given strength, and your leadership is so important. Lastly, before I pray, I should also say that in addition to my own thoughts preparing for this talk, I've leaned on a number of a lot of amazing resources that you guys can go to that are free. There's a ministry called Grace to You, Gospel and Life, Focus on the Family We All Know, A Real Faith, as well as I've been looking up dozens and dozens of nonpartisan resources for statistics that you guys are going to see tonight. So this talk I've entitled Miracle Man, and that's you guys. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. Lord, we just thank you for tonight. I thank you so much for what you've done in Rusty's life. I thank you for how you've led him and helped him and continue to teach him. I thank you for bringing all of us here tonight. You've handpicked us, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me in a timely way. I pray, God, that uh, the men would walk away more encouraged to be who they are, who they've been made to be tonight. I pray that you give me passion, Lord, and I pray that you would give me clarity as I teach. I say all these things in your name. Amen. So before I talk to you guys about what stands out to me when it comes to leading your families, before I get into that, I want to spend some time, really the bulk of my talk, talking about the problems that you brothers are facing right now in this moment as you're living your life. What I would call six satanic realities that you are living in right now that are preventing men Maybe not you, but preventing men and our culture from leading well. Six satanic realities that we are living through. Based on this verse, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Satan has blinded so many people's eyes and minds. The first satanic reality that you are living in right now that prevent men from leading well is this. Men are encouraged in our culture to stay little boys and not become real men. Guys, you know this. A lot of this you're going you're gonna to just say amen to, but I think it's good to equip you. The world is trying to keep men in adolescence and childhood for as long as they can, keeping them as dependent as they can, preventing men from becoming contributing people in society, protectors, providers. I've shared some of this with our youth group men. I'm going to go through this very quickly, but three types of men stand out to me under this category, okay? Three types of little boys, and I'm going to cruise through that. The first one that we see is a bully. This is a fake man. 
A bully is a person who thinks you know who he is. He thinks he's stronger, richer, braver, cooler, better than everybody else. A bully's line of communication revolves around his muscles, his money, his car, his stuff. A bully is a man who makes other people feel weak, especially younger men feel small and weak. The bully teases and compares and tries to one-up everyone around him. The bully, when he sees that he's losing his position as top dog, he insults you until you're embarrassed or ashamed. A bully won't stop until everyone around him makes the other person feel bad, just like he does. A bully is unbelievably insecure, and he only feels good by making other people feel bad. A bully is a person who uses women only for sex or for status. He's not a protector. He's not a provider. A bully is not safe. He's not a real man. He's a worm. But that is one of the men that we see in our society. That is what the world would say a man looks like a bully, a little boy. Or maybe you're not a bully. Maybe you're just a bozo. A bozo has no understanding. Where is he going? We know this guy, he has no plan, he has no ambition, he has no drive, he's lazy, his life revolves around video games and virtual reality. Maybe he's 18, maybe he's older, but he doesn't contribute to society, to the world around him. If this person is employed, he sinks to the lowest level of achievement. He doesn't care about time, he's wasting time, he doesn't care about his responsibilities, his education, he doesn't care about the well-being of an employer. He revolves his day around when he can sleep more, eat more, take more, off Oftentimes, people make excuses for the bozo. They say things like, oh, I'm so glad you visited. So sorry the house is dirty. We just can't keep it clean. Sorry he didn't do good on that exam. It's just really hard for him to focus, though he can focus for hours and hours on video games. And he could clean the house, but he doesn't have any self-respect. Or, sorry he's late to work. Again, he ran out of gas. <laughs> the bozo is the man who, rather than providing for his wife or his children, does nothing and expects people to take care of him. He's a taker, he's a leech, he's lazy, he's not a man, he's a worm. But this is what the world says a man looks like. You're a bully or you're a bozo, not a leader. Or maybe here's the last one, and yes, they're all bees I'm learning from Bill. Maybe you're not a bozo, but maybe you're a bell. You guys know what this is. When a man looks to the world, and he's trying to find a definition of what a man looks like, and he doesn't want to be a bully, and he doesn't want to be a bozo, increasingly, quickly in our culture, he has nowhere to look, so he becomes more and more feminine, more and more passive. And what I'm talking about here are men that have lost a drive to defend women and children. They don't want to debate ideas. They don't want to stand up for truth. They don't want to stand in the gap between what is good and what is evil. They don't lay down their lives. They don't stand up. They don't lead anything. They don't do anything. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to say the wrong thing. So they do nothing. And they lack this ideal picture of masculinity because they don't want to be a bozo. They don't want to be a bozo. They don't want to be a bully. And so suddenly the God-given blessing of their gender can kind of become a curse. And all too often they, they start to say, you know what, maybe I'm just more gender neutral. Or maybe I'm just more like a woman. And they don't defend women. They become like women. And let me just say this real quickly so nobody gets this wrong. God made us male and female. Men are not better than women. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying men and women are equal in God's sight. But we are different. And you know that. God has made us different. But because our world is lost, 
We don't embrace those differences. We try to erase those differences altogether. And so here we are. Men, this is against you. Your coworkers, your friends, some of your family are encouraged to stay little boys and not be real men. They're bullies, bozos, or bells, largely. So where does that lead? Well, here's the second satanic reality. Young men are not launching. For men in their 20s, okay? That's not all of us here, but some of you might be in your 20s. Some of you will be in your 20s soon enough. It's a failure to launch. According to CNBC, young men are taking longer to reach key life milestones. Statistically, it is proven young men are taking longer to find full-time careers, get married, have children, contribute to the world. The generation of young men right now statistically are the worst generation of launching men in the history of the United States. They're waiting longer to get married. They're waiting longer to leave their home. They're waiting longer to get a job. They have no plan. They have no direction. We're not getting educated as men. We're not becoming skilled in our trade. We don't see young men saving money statistically. We don't see young men getting married. We don't see them having kids. We don't see them becoming husbands or fathers. We don't see young men contributing to the workforce. They're not starting businesses. Statistically, it is real that young men in their 20s right now are living with their moms, staying at home, playing video games, vaping, ordering food from their phone, and they're addicted to porn and alcohol. That's what's happening when we talk about men. As a culture, we are taking men in the greatest strength of their life at a time when they should have the best vision for their life, and we're breaking them. Culture is breaking them. So they're encouraged, stay a little boy. You don't need to launch. Well, what does that lead to? The third satanic reality against leadership for men. We're not working. Men are not statistically working. A record number, 7 million men from the ages of 25 to 54. That's this room. 25 to 54, 7 million men in the U.S. are not in the labor force. We have an entire generation of men who are not working, that are not looking for work. An entire generation of men not contributing, but rather dependent upon a system to care for them so that they're not maturing, so that they can't they make other people depend on him. Again, this is against us right now when we talk about leadership. This is what we're up against, men not working. Well, what does that lead to? Men not marrying. 40% of millennials and Gen Z, okay? That's many of us here, ages 18 to 42, 40% do not believe in marriage. Between 18 and 42, they think it's outdated and antiquated. Why is that important? Again, I'm sorry I'm on a rant, but we have to realize, if we look at the world around us, historically, the world was built by men who had women and children to feed. Men would grow up, they'd get a job, they'd make money, they'd provide because they knew that at home, there's a woman that they love and that there are kids that take his last name that are depending on him. And so he walks into this God-given responsibility. Even if he's not a Christian, that's a God design. <laughs> that's God design. Walk in that. Statistically, it's not happening. And when we do get married, okay, and I'm not bagging on people who are single. That's not the point. My sister didn't get married until she's 40. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying statistically, people are well into their 30s before they do get married because they don't want to get married. They don't see a need to get married. They're not launching. They're not working. So then what? The fifth reality, and this one I'm going to spend some time in. Please, please don't, don't go blind on this. I know I'm going to give you lots of numbers, but just listen. 
Men are not fathering. And this is where you need to realize, maybe you're not a physical dad, okay? But you will be one day. And so see how important this role is. Or maybe you're a spiritual dad. And I think that there are things that apply here. But these are actual stats of what it means and the importance of being a dad from the 2022 census. Okay, listen to this. Approximately 18.3 million children in the United States of America are living without a father in a home. That's one in four kids. One in four children in our country do not have a dad at home. U.S. has the highest rate globally, globally, the highest rate of living in single-parent households. As of 2019, 23% of children lived with only one parent, which was over three times the global average of 7%. Here's what that means. 3% China, 4% India. Here's what it means. In the U.S., children are 300% more likely to grow up without a father than any other nation on the earth. Statistically, if you want to be born in a family that has a dad, the United States of America is one of the worst countries in the world. Statistically, 50% of kids are living with a single mom. 80% of, of households in the U.S. are single parent households with women leading. Families are four times more likely to raise children in poverty if they don't have a dad. Four times more likely to be in poverty. 84% of homeless families are headed by a woman. 40% of children are born to unwed mothers. 40% of children are born to single moms. And that raises to 53% when the age of the woman is between 30 and 40. 53% of women Having babies at the ages of 30 to 40 are having babies with no dad to come home to. The effects of what that does to a kid's mind is staggering. Children from fatherless homes have so many behavioral issues. They're burdened with lower self-esteem. They don't understand why their fathers left them. They have a number of emotional problems, anxiety, social withdrawal, depression, an increased risk of suicide. 63% of youth suicides, 63% are from homes that don't have dads. What? Children from single parent families are twice as likely to suffer from mental health as those living with a dad. 75% of adolescent patients in drug counseling centers, 75% of kids in drug rehab have no dads at home. The drug problem that we have in our country, 75% of those kids don't have a dad at home. If fathers are not engaged, children are twice as likely to drop out of school. Twice as likely to drop out of school? Even in 2008, President Barack Obama, he said this, children who grow up without a father are nine times more likely to drop out of school. Not twice, nine times, Obama said. 71% of high school dropouts, 71% are from homes that don't have dads. Adversely, children who have an actively engaged father show that they are 33% less likely to repeat a class and 43% more likely to get A's. What about abortion, fatherless and abortion rates? Every one out of every three pregnancies in a fatherless home ends in abortion. Fatherlessness has a link to teen pregnancy and sexual activity. One study showed, this is from Anderson, showed that girls whose fathers left home before they were five were eight times more likely to get pregnant as a teenager. 75% of juvenile delinquents that were interviewed, 66 experienced no dad at home. 
Children, again, I'm almost done. Children without fathers in home, listen to this, without a dad at home, children right now in America, 279% more likely to carry guns and deal drugs. 279% more likely because dad's not home? 70% of the kids in jail don't have a dad. They are 20 times more likely to be incarcerated. But if you have a dad at home, 80% more likely, less likely to spend time in jail. Guys, I, could, I honestly, I could, that, that is the bulk of my talk. That, that, that is where all the, those numbers came. I could go on and on and on and on. And then you have 25% of young men saying they will never have a child because they don't want the responsibility. That's what they say, because they're not encouraged to be men. They're not launching, they're not working, they're not marrying, and they're having sex, and they're not fathering. That is what it's up against. That's what we are living in. We have a record number of overmothered, underfathered men. And it takes men to raise men. It takes a man to raise a man. We have a whole generation of little boys who are acting up or acting out and who are told that they're too aggressive and we're giving them pills. And I'm not saying that's always bad, by the way. I'm not. But largely, that is the carte blanche answer. And then we send them to school where they're confused and they act more like girls because we don't know what to do with the strength of a little boy because they're not taught to grow up to be a strong man. What does that lead to? What does all of this lead to? The sixth satanic thing. Well, men just aren't leading. <laughs> that's what, that's, that is how that works. Statistically, more women than men are in church. More women than men are in college. More women than men are in the workforce. So here it is. This is, this is what we have. This is what our culture has handed to us as fathers, as friends, as dudes, as husbands, men who don't lead, don't launch, don't marry, don't father, don't work, and it's an absolute cultural crisis. Okay. This is why I've said you guys are miracle men. Because even the fact that you are here tonight at all makes you a statistical marvel. Isn't that amazing? I mean, if you have a job, whoa, I mean, you're really knocking the doors down now. <laughs> if you're a dad who says hi to his kids, loves his kids, hangs out with his kids, you're just a freak of nature, man. You men are miracle men. You are heroes. And you walk out every day into a world that doesn't know how to value you, teach you, train you, encourage you, love you. They neuter you, make fun of you, and tell you to be something different. And don't you listen to it. You are miracle men. You are miracle men. Now, I was asked to teach on leading your family. <laughs> and I want to honor that. So I've got some thoughts about leading family specifically. And I wish, honestly, I could, I could probably do a series on that because I'm very passionate about that, clearly. But if we're talking about leading our families, even if you are single, you can take this to heart. If you're a spiritual father, take this to heart. When I think about you miracle men leading your families, I think of three very quick things. What does it mean? Well, one, you lead them in the Lord. Okay? 
Jesus said, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Just stop for a second. Other translations say, for these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, right? This is, this is the workforce, right, in some ways. This is the want of desire and money. Jesus saying, what, what, why are you worrying about those things? Don't worry about that. Your heavenly Father already knows what you need, guys. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all that stuff is going to be given to you as well. So the first thing to lead your family in is to lead them in the Lord. Jesus said, all that other stuff's going to come. You focus on me. And so here's, here's what stands out to me. Not just are you miracle men, but every time in your families, every single time you open up your Bible, something supernatural happens. And it does. I mean, in your mind, I know this is ridiculous because it's not true, but like imagine opening up your Bible and like, there's the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, remember those pop-up things, boom, 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 and the clown would come out? Sometimes when I am tired, honest to goodness, guys, I'm tired and I open up my Bible and I picture in my head, boop, there's the Holy Spirit. I know it's ridiculous. The Holy Spirit lives in my heart. But every time you open up your Bible, something supernatural happens. God wants to work with you and meet you. He has something to say to you. And so when you're leading in the Lord, you need to ask yourself, are the people that are closest to me seeing me in love with Jesus? Would my wife see me in love with Jesus? Would my kids see me in love with Jesus? If you're single and have a roommate, would your roommate see you in love with Jesus? Do you make a habit out of going to church? Obviously you do. You guys are miracle men. Are you joining small groups like Brian talked about? Are you in regular fellowship like Rusty talked about? Are you leading your family maybe in memorizing scriptures? I know how hard that can be, guys. Are you serving in your church? I'm sure you guys are. Are you leading in devotions and in prayers? The, the, the people that are closest to you see what's most important to you, and you know that. And what that means for you, brothers, as men, your family needs you to taste and see that the Lord is good. They need you to do that. They need you to say, I have found something so good, so, so overwhelming. You have to come and see what this is. They need you to see, taste and see that the Lord is good so that they will come and taste and see that the Lord is good. When trouble comes, do you turn to God? When happy times come, do you praise him? Are your conversations seasoned with faith? Are your instructions filled with the word? Are your encouragements to your family, your friends, your, your, your roommates, your wife, are they eternal truths? The most important, the most impactful person in the entire world was Jesus Christ. And you and I as brothers, we can lead our families to him. He's the source of all that is good and right and calming and peace-filled and wonderful. And we can say, come and see who I found. For us to be good leaders, truly, truly, that means that we need to put ourselves under the authority first of God. A good leader says, somebody's over me. His name is Jesus Christ. So, the first thing, lead in the Lord. Second thing, miracle men, lead them in love. Above all, love each other deeply, says Peter, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Here's kind of what I mean about love in this context. Life can be so hard. We know that. Oh, my gosh. Every day it feels like there's just a gut punch. Oftentimes our days are filled with tremendous strife and anxiety and worry and pain, and I know that. And that's part of the reason that we come here and come to church to be encouraged. We work through a battlefield every day, and I understand that because we're not in heaven yet. But to lead in love is to recognize that life can be so hard. So take a look at your week. Just hang with me. Is your week regularly filled with both responsibility but also recreation and family and fun? 
Do you have any fun? That's what I'm trying to say. To lead in love, are you, do you watch movies with your family? Or do you take your wife on a date? Or do you play with your kids? Or do you laugh with your roommates? Or do you go skiing or sledding or snowboarding with your family? Do you go camping with your family? Do you have family trips planned? Guys, life is hard. Your family is living in it. Your friends, your wife, your kids are walking in it. Yes, we need to be protectors. We need to be leaders in the faith. But we also must be connecting and laughing with them and showing them that God gives us good things in our lives. It does suck sometimes. It's super bad. But man, when I'm boating, nothing's bad at all. It's the best. Find that thing with your family. It's a blessing to them. It can't just be, let's memorize scripture because the world hates us. It's like, yeah, the world sucks, but we're going to go watch a movie and that's going to be awesome. And mom made awesome food and it's going to be killer. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. Lead in love. Last thing, and then we'll be done. Lead in humility. So this, this is, yeah. Yeah, so Jesus is the greatest leader who ever lived. And he, and he was the physical representation of the Father. If you see me, you see the Father, is what he said. And here's what Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find Rest for your souls. I think humility comes really hard to people because sometimes it feels like it's self-depreciating. Most of you men probably understand what a real, humble man looks like, but to me, to be a humble leader is a person, a father or a friend or a husband, who is approachable. It's somebody who is understanding who is kind, who can admit their weakness, who can ask for forgiveness when you make a mistake. That you and I, we can be brothers who are not afraid to admit, I don't know everything. I mean, Skylar and I were just joking, I think, earlier tonight about me learning how to fix brakes on a car. I will never fix brakes on any car, ever. I don't know how to do it. I don't want to do it. Nate Beldock does it. He's awesome. I don't know. I'm weak at it. I don't want to do it. Admit your weaknesses. That's what I mean to say. It, it feels hard to do that, and I get that, it, it, especially when we're beat down by the world. But be the kind of boss that comes alongside your employees. Be the man who humbles himself before Jesus and others. So, okay, so that, that's my talk. Th that's what I got. But what I want you guys to walk away with is, is, a, is, a, is a larger understanding of the battle that you're up against so that you guys can just rise like, the Bible says that when we walk in the Lord, we shine like stars in the universe. See, that, that's what God's plan is for us, brothers, is to be so revolutionary, so countercultural in every single way that people just say, okay, so, so wait, now what do you believe? Where is your hope? Wait, why is your marriage like that? Man, your roommate's really hard to deal with, but they seem to love you. What is that? Man, your kids sure like you, and they seem to listen okay. We have to know the war that we're up against. And guys, God has made you miracle men. And I know I didn't get into all, of, all the work stuff and all those other things that you could be, and that's another time. But hopefully this, hopefully that you walk away tonight and you say, I can do that. I, I can lead in the Lord. I can lead in love. I can lead in humility. I can be countercultural to that junk that is placed on me. So... You brothers are heroes to me.
You are. You are miracle men. You are more significant than you understand. Your roles are more important than you will ever understand. There's a spiritual thing that is happening, and Jesus has handpicked each one of you to stand up and to be something different so that the world would look at you and go, I want what they've got, and his name is Jesus. And then Jesus comes back, and he takes us all to heaven, and it'll be awesome. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for uh, these miracle men. God, I pray for all those kids at home don't have dads I don't Lord I pray that you would help us to be your man and uh, God I just pray that you would use these words that I gave tonight I thank you so much for Rusty I pray Lord Jesus that we would walk in real leadership and we would be countercultural and we would uh, we would lead in the way that you want us to Jesus I thank you for an opportunity to preach and I say this in your name amen